on the mobile side, I know it's all private. Definitely, I totally agree with you there. Mm. But the but the original fixed line network, all those ducts and poles that people are talking yeah, about, yeah. that's all. That was all done with public sector money in the first place. Yeah, the ducts yeah. and poles are really old. That's fine. all. Yeah, yeah fine. Yeah. But I'm still, I'm still saying it's not, the, it's not comparable. It's not the fiber that's expensive. It's the yep. digging up the streets to to put it in. That's the the expensive uh, side of it. Well, I okay, fine. But I think you're agreeing well, with each other on the mobile side. On the mobile, on the mobile side, side yeah. Yeah, yeah, fine. But all the last mile stuff, they're still digging yeah, up streets. Yeah, civil engineering is the mo- most of the cost. But they're still doing that now. They're still yeah. doing that for fibre. Hello and welcome back to the telecoms.com podcast, our first one of 2020 and our first one because we just sort of couldn't be bothered towards the second half of December. So I think Pierre, first one for 23 days, is that right? Yeah. I don't know how how Pierre and the rest of the world has (laughs) coped without it, but here we are, bravely stepping back into the breach. I'm joined by the regulars of Jamie and Ian from Light Reading. Welcome back, guys. Have a fun Christmas break. Yeah. Yeah. Did you go back to Wales? Yeah. Lark about there. Yeah. You, yeah. Anything? Larked about in Buckinghamshire. Lark about Buckinghamshire. I went to I yeah. went to Suffolk for a week. Stayed in it's a cottage, which is all going well until the last day when the dog decided to throw up in the bedroom, oh. which was uh, which was dull. So you had and, the last day cleaning up. Well, and the problem is he then he then thought I know what will make it better. I'll shred the carpet up to hide the evidence. <laughs> so. So then we had to sort of, we didn't tell them until we'd already legged it. And then I sent them a text going, yeah, sorry. And they went, uh, and they went, all right, well, we'll get it sorted and we'll send you the bill. And I sort of thought, well, yeah. I've got to go for it, really. But it only ended up costing 90 quid. I thought, right. God knows what it could be. You know, what if they did, went, right, we've got to change the old carpet. Yeah. In fact, we've got to just level really, the house really and build it again. It, yeah. So you never know how carried away people are going to get. No. But they were, they were quite civil, so, so hurrah for that. And uh, I, I wasn't forced to punt the dog into next week. Not that I'd ever do that. Animal rights people, I hasten to add. Anyway, a lot of them watching. Well, yes. There's, there's that big, there's that big overlap between telecoms and, and animal rights and vegans. Yeah. Um, okay, so uh, what are we going to chat about this week? I think we're going to have to mention CES just because it's a big tech show of the year, although it's not necessarily mega telecomsy. But we'll nod to it. Uh, I think we've got to mention the perennial favourite of Huawei uh, because there's some there's some stuff on the immediate horizon concerning them and, and 5G networks and all that jazz. And then we're going to finish off somewhat surprisingly talking about Northern Irish farmers, as you do, uh, because uh, Jamie... Someone's got to talk about them. Yeah, because cause Jamie, Jamie's shown an interest in, in uh, sort of... Uh, an arm wrestle over the matter of uh, telecoms access to sort of farmland and all yeah, that sort of thing. It's a sort of Celtic affinity with exactly, exactly. Northern Irish J- sheep farmers. J- Jamie's got a certain understanding with Northern Irish people that you and I possibly couldn't possibly <laughs> understand. So uh, so that's that. And then before we start, uh, just to remind you that if you're watching it on Facebook or on YouTube or on the website, you can listen to it on iTunes, SoundCloud, or loads of other podcasting platforms. Not bad after a 23 they break up here. Good, good. Sharp. Go for me. It's, it's the avoidance yeah. of alcohol that is. Yes. Oh, and uh, yeah, and I'm on dry January, mm. so I'm especially tetchy and humourless. Mm. In fact, we just went to the pub and I had a soda water, and and my big treat was that they put plenty of lime in, so I actually squeezed some of the lime into the I soda water. I think that water. soda water cost about thirty p or something. Did it? Oh, normally it's the opposite. Normally they can rip you oh, off over well, soft I, drinks. Well, I had a uh, proper. 
beer, a proper drink with it. Yeah, and, and it's still and okay the whole to bill six quid was like or something. Six quid something. Oh, yeah. so. In fact, okay. they were just free because they took sympathy on you. Oh, excuse me. See, look what it does to you. Yeah, I'm allergic to not drinking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, so, see, yes. That, look, I'm not going to lie to you. There hasn't been a ton of stuff going on that's telecomsy, so I might be slightly scraping the bottom of the barrel. The thing that caught my eye that I wrote about was a new, yet another new video streaming service, which has actually been around for a while, or at least in, in incubation for a while. But they did, they had one of those sort of keynotes at CES to sort of bang on about it. And it's called Quibi, which is an abbreviation of Quick Bytes. And the whole point of Quibi is that it's original video content, but specifically filmed and uh, and offered up to be consumed on mobile phones. Right. Now, and then they say inevitably they're targeting millennials, whatever a millennial is. I mean, People I with short attention spans. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So the assumption is so. that... That millennials, which I think is so you, someone who was born between 1983 and 1999. Are you a millennial? Is, yeah, are you a millennial? millennial? They're both millennials. Well, then, if, yeah. if Jamie's typical of millennials, then they definitely have short attention spans. <laughs> um, so, so yes, quick bites. So as, as we've as we've often joked about on the pod, Jamie doesn't mind multitasking, podding, and dicking about on his phone at the same time. Do you think, therefore, Jamie, as a millennial, which I so conspicuously am not, that a source of sort of five to ten minute Sort of video quick bites would be something that would appeal to you. No, no, no. Why not? It's too long. I, I came I came across this a couple of months back. Yeah, on PC, and it's yeah, and I thought it, it's an interesting idea, but I mean, I'm not 100 percent sure how many how much legs is in it. Um, well, think, what if you're doing your thing now, where instead of playing one of your games or whatever, you just had a quick five minute catch up on some serial that had some sort of it series. It sounds like um, the sort of thing you get on YouTube, no? Well, yeah. that's a very good point. And I think maybe that's the market they're competing against more than or TikTok. Yeah, I wouldn't say so. They, I mean, it's still, I mean, don't forget, like, YouTube is still a, uh, is it's a beast on its own. It, firstly, it's user-generated content, yeah. but then also it's free to consume and it's ad-supported. I mean, this is hidden behind a paywall and it's it's no, there's professional. No there's no ad-supported Oh, there's no ad-supported version. Yeah, you can yeah. subscribe then, to YouTube stuff. But yeah, but then the... You would. Uh, I, I mean, I don't, I don't think it'll work for the context yeah. you put because uh, you need sound on it, and right. the vast majority of people, when they're doing something that's distracted, you know, yeah. just to distract themselves on the phone for a couple of minutes, so they've at least got to have some silence. They've at least got to have some earbuds in. Yeah, or unfortunately, like that. unfortunately, people don't have it on silent a lot these days. I've noticed increasingly. Oh, really? Well, I increasingly come across people in cafes watching clips and yeah. doing stuff where the and volume's turned they don't have headphones on. It's like that really winds me up. I mean, the, the it's just bad at social etiquette. I yeah, think, yeah, yeah. No, I, no, I completely. Yeah, and this, this, millennials. this stupid quibbly or whatever it's called it sounds like it's going to make that even worse. Yeah. The the big question I would ask is number one: Are you going to pay as much for uh, as much for this as a Netflix uh, subscription? Yeah, which is more or less um, what it is. I pay about fifty p a month for it. You'd well, you won't. But it comes the in. Programs are really good. It comes in a, 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 a fiver with ads and eight quid. Well, this is dollars, but typically it goes it, when it comes here, it'll just be straight so, exchange. So they're like short stories, or something. Yeah, I was going to ask. Yeah, yeah, five to ten five, minutes. Five to ten minutes. So what they'll do is they'll film. I mean, they've got. So, but before we move on, I want to say that I actually think Jamie and Ian are both right in this. In that, Jamie's right to say it's not a competitor of YouTube because these these guys are tar- targeting premium rather than user-generated. But I think Ian's right in that it is a it is a competitor of YouTube in consumption style 
i.e. quick video bites on your phone. So what it's attempting to be is like the YouTube of premium. And that's my that's my interpretation. Feel free to disagree, Jamie. But, um, and, and one of the things that makes me think that is just the sheer the sheer amount of establishment entertainment industry backing it has. Well, people are going to watch it on mobile devices, aren't they? You're not going to sit down. Well, that's with all. That's having, the only place you can. With a, with a, right. Okay. Oh, it's, it, I that's, didn't realise that it was. Sorry, I didn't make that clear enough. The whole TV. point of it is is it's mobile right. only. Okay. Um, the other thing I'm not entirely convinced by, and don't, don't get me wrong, I mean they're doing everything right. Like you, you mentioned, because they've got some massive names uh, yeah. behind it, and also the people Studios, they hired, individuals. Well, actors, yeah. top actors. No, no, no. Hired as in to run the company. So, right. but they have got top actors as well. So, people like Chris Hemsworth are going to turn up and do a, like a ten-minute Thor episode, yep. something like that. Yeah, like this is a I mean, Thor taking Stephen, on. Stephen King has signed. Uh, I remember, right. I mean, Spielberg, isn't it, or both? Spe- uh, yeah, it's, Spielberg um, definitely has. Spielberg definitely has. I think I've got something I want to say about that. Uh, King adapted stuff. Right, right. Um, I know Kevin Hart was doing a yeah. series on it. They've as got well. they've got all the Hollywood establishment wow. on board. I mean, in their little trailer, they had Reese Witherspoon doing her little chirpy bit about it. But they also have, uh, like, when I say hired, I mean actually from a management side as well. So it's run by uh, Meg Whitman, who's the former CEO of uh, HP, and yep. before that, eBay. Yeah. Uh, but she, but at the time, at HP was a disaster, wasn't it? It was an utter disaster. Well, mm. I, th- I think she was brought in, in a little, uh, to some extent, to sort of clear it up. And yeah, I think a it lot wasn't of the in, real disaster happened prior to her. It wasn't in a good position. Like the, the, like the acquisition of that, I don't of think that she joined UK in a software position, company where they got completely rinsed. Right. Yeah, I, th- I think I, I don't think her brand is, is has been tarnished by association no, with HP. But, as a but she made her name at eBay, yeah. I think. There's another one, and the other guy that they hired, yeah, yeah who's apparently the, who's big, the Hollywood big dude. wig, isn't he? Yeah, and so they're they're using those two to position it as the perfect sort so of. So Whitman's like the CFO or something, or no, it's CEO. She's, she's the CEO, CEO of it, right? Yeah, I th- which I mean, she was the CEO of. HP. Yeah. yeah, she's yeah. she's she's so she's Silicon Valley royalty. Yeah. Katzenberg is Hollywood royalty. So they're Katzenberg's, saying Katzenberg's he's a studio executive. Yeah, he, he headed up I think uh, one of the Mirror ones Max like DreamWorks or or, right. or whatever the other one that makes sort of cartoons. Pixar. Uh, yeah, uh, it's one of those. One of those. Yeah. Um, and and so obviously not only do they have a presumed competence by virtue of that experience, but they know all the right people. And that seems to have paid dividends. And they've got, I think they've raised over a billion, and most of it's from establishment sources. This isn't crowdfunding. Yeah. This is people like NBC and and whoever chucking some money in the I pot. Disney is thrown in there yeah. as well. So, so that, I think that makes me believe that they are going to produce content that will that will get people's well, attention. Katzenberg was at Disney for ten years. Right. Yeah, so Disney. that means Pixar mm. then after I guess. Eighty four to ninety four. Yeah. Um, so yeah, they they all they all know that's their stuff. Disney in another life, isn't it? Eighty four to ninety four mm. Disney. That's like that's when the good stuff came out. Disney Disney. Yeah, that's when the good stuff came out. Yeah. Lion King, yeah. Aladdin. Come on, <laughs> the real Disney stuff. <laughs> I mean, you you had me at Lion King. <laughs> Although Lion King was ninety four, so it's just. Do you know, I've never seen Lion King, so. There's a new one out now. There's a film version. Yeah, it's yeah. terrible. Is it? Yeah, because there's no expression on. Anyway, sorry. Yeah, yeah. Keep going. Well, I might uh, like it. So, it. so uh, anyway, so yeah, so so I think it could succeed from that point of view. But I share Jamie's skepticism about whether or not. Certainly, I and obviously I'm not representative of their target market. 
would want to consume this bite size um, video. I think the only way it works, and we may be coming towards a time, which will lead me in a bit onto another bit of CES news, where everyone's got sort of earbuds in the whole time. Mm. Uh, or one in, maybe. <clears throat> or they're all just playing their phones without putting earbuds in and irritating the rest of us. But but I think, if, I think if we accept that there will still be some social opprobrium about that, then maybe we'll come to a time and maybe it, this will be required for things like Quibi to take off, where everyone's just got a very almost... Um, invisible sort of earbud just sitting in their ear the whole time uh, and it could, that could be the future you know the, the, the sort of multitasking that Jamie does could be taken to the next level where people are constantly having conversations while they're listening to stuff at the same time I think, which I think would be one, a bit weird yeah yeah I, I no I, I agree with you that, that with that point in that it's it's potentially a good idea but realistically on the market conditions in place now for yeah. it to work and, re, and the other point is I mean, who who are you going to pay? Is is anyone going to pay Five for a month. Yeah. for an ad supported version? Right. Um, you know, I think that's like I think they'll find that very very difficult. Yeah. So you're about a to consume a five minute face. bit of video, and thirty seconds of it is ads. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And all of a sudden, and you're paying for the pleasure of that. Yeah. You know, the the model which exists nowadays that if you pay for something, uh, excluding like Sky, let's say, but. Digitally, digitally native service. If you are paying for something, you don't have ads. Netflix, yeah. Disney Plus, HBO. Um, what is it? Even like uh, the, the 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 YouTube. Yeah. When you pay for the service, you don't get ads. Yeah. Uh, Amazon yeah. Prime. They're breaking the mold there, and I don't know. And but they do have an ad-free version. So you pay for and it's ads as well. Yeah. yeah. So Fiverr with ads, mm. eight quid without ads. Now, the thing eight quid's a lot without ads for eight, some sort of yeah. ten minute well, thing. Well, eight, uh, yeah, yeah. How many of these things are there going to be? You well, know, that's, they, that's the other thing. So they're not three out. back catalogue to reach into. Is no, the library going to be? It's big all going to be. It's all going to be new. It's stuff all original no programming. Yeah. Stuff like that before, they say so. they say three hours of stuff a day is what yeah. their their public sort of commitment is to content. Three hours of fresh content. So every a lot day. of it's going to be utter because there's no way that big name actors are going to are going to commit to doing no. a load of 10-minute well, shorts. For... I'll tell you one other thing that annoys me about it. I think that... So, in their CES um, keynote, they they had a new feature. So, this thing's been bubbling in the background for a while. That's, Jamie wrote about it in September. So, people people like Ed Barton, who I consulted for my piece, would obviously have been aware of it for ages. Mm. Um, but this big reveal is a new feature that they invented called... Oh, God, it's gone. Anyway... Um, it, you need to start drinking again. I oh know. I'm getting getting all fun. I mean, maybe maybe I've been drinking so long. The deteriorating in your abilities. That, that I only from I'm only at full sort of <laughs> full capacity when I've had a cheeky couple. Anyway, um, basically you can get uh, you can view the content like this or like this and shift it dynamically. Right. Which, which I think is quite, so sorry for people who are listening, um, in portrait or landscape mode on your phone. Um, um, and there's a, yeah, sorry, Samsung released a TV, well, they announced a TV that does that as well. Right. It rotates TV? on its own. Yeah. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, that's just weird. It's annoying. So yeah. you've got a TV rotating in your living room while you're trying if, to... If you're watching, yeah. <coughs> sorry. It's, it seemed, well, and they, they were making out that it's a really big deal, but then there's they're sort of proof points for why it's a big deal. Basically, most of the time they were showing a bit of footage, and, and obviously, you know, people making the content have to shoot it to frame it right. Yeah. So, um, <clears throat> but then basically, portrait 
all it's it very, seemed to be. Portrait is never used at all in cinema, and why you'd want to use it. No, but then know. that's how you hold a phone normally. Yeah, that's true, but so to, to, to watch something in landscape, you either have to go through. But minor you're not going to be doing that, are you? I'm guessing you mean it. it yeah, well, that's itself, what I was going to lead up to. It forces you to shift it. Well, I think I think that's needlessly gimmicky, and also from the demo they put on, portrait just looks like a cropped version, a cropped and zoom version of landscape. Yeah. So they've just cropped the central rectangle from the landscape and zoomed it. So I wasn't that impressed by that thing, such that I can't even remember the brand they gave it. Mm. There was one other thing where they showed a a bit of footage where, if depending on how you hold it, you actually get a completely different thing. So I think there was some drama where a woman was at home and someone was ringing a doorbell and you could see it's like a nest doorbell. Right. So you could see the person. And you know when you looked at a landscape, you saw the woman responding to the doorbell, and then when you looked at it in portrait, it switched to this geezer who turned out to be some kind of belligerent. Um, but I don't think, you know, again, this could just be inertia, but the user experience of constantly switching like that. I don't think that's going to take So they, they made it out to be a big deal. I wasn't so impressed with that. And one other it's like gimmick... like a novel with PowerPoint pages in the middle of it, isn't it? Yeah, again, I mean, I have, I have a rich history of new technology coming along, me being the Luddite and going, now, nah, what's the point of that? Yeah. I mean, I said that about iPads, for example. They're just bloody big iPods. What's the point of that? So, you know, I've got it wrong lots of times. But, yeah, I'm just struggling to see um, the point of, of that thing. And then there was one other thing. They've got Steven Spielberg to make a series called After Dark. Right. And the novelty is that using the, the photo sensors on your phone, you literally can't watch it until it's dark. And you sort of think, on one level, you sort of think, oh, okay, yeah, because it's spooky. Just but you think, well, what if I want to watch your lunchtime? Put yeah. your finger over the And you sensor. won't let me. Just put your that's, finger over the sensor. I suppose so. <laughs> that's, just, that's just weird. Yeah. You could probably turn it off as well. But they seem to think that was a, a cool... They were, they were positioning that as a proof point of why content viewed on phones has a unique... Such a thing. gimmick. But, but that, I'm is just, a really, that is really Yeah, I'm, I'm not convinced yeah. by that one. He's, he gets stuck into any of this stuff, though, doesn't he, Steven Spielberg? You know, any company that's doing something new that's streaming, he seems to... Like, he was quite... Yeah. High, I think he was quite high-profile at Apple's whole... TV yeah, he jumps on the bandwagon. Reese Witherspoon seems to jump on the bandwagon. Like she does as well. I don't see Perhaps there's some sort of bundle of him, yeah. Reese Witherspoon, and some other. It's really weird to direct. see billionaires selling out. You know. Yeah. yeah. Meanwhile, Martin Scorsese is saying that anything's not all the cinema isn't really film. Right. Yeah. Was, it, was it him who said that? <laughs> yeah. yeah, you'd know. Yeah. He had a real go at Marvel films, didn't he? The Marvel he? The, uh, uh, theme park uh, the, rides. Yeah. Uh, the very entertaining Golden Globes. Yeah. Where, so, the, so that Fed Gervais yeah. cuss is saying, I don't know what he's doing at a theme park. He's too small <laughs> to get on any of the rides. Um, yes well I mean that that was interesting you know obviously this isn't necessarily a place to dwell at great length on on Gervais's um, monologue at Golden Globes but the fact that he he made the point at the start that basically film industry TV industry are all dead it's all Netflix now he was saying it comedically but only half comedically I think he sort of meant it as well do you think that this is a massive tangent but the thing that surprised me about that was how many opinion pieces got written sort of saying that he went way over the top and how, it, how disgraceful it was he, that he upset yeah. Hollywood to that extent. Well, yes, it's, it's just, sad. It doesn't surprise me, but it is It is sad. You have to wonder. Yeah, people I mean, talk about punching out. I mean, it's the first week of girls. January. I mean, we need to get offended quickly, you know. Mm. Get the, if, get if, the, any, if any people need taking the piss out of them a little bit you know and I mean? being brought down, surely it's Hollywood. Yeah, or I mean, the CEO of Apple. Or the CEO of Probably. Apple, yeah, exactly. I, th- I, I mean, think people just are uncomfortable with roasting sort of scenarios. Um, so one other thing before we move on, that is slightly related to this that I want to mention about CES is they announced a new flavour of Bluetooth. 
which is again sort of tenuously Bluetooth rubbish. Well, this is better Bluetooth. It's called uh, Bluetooth it Bluetooth LE Audio, I think. Right. So LE is low energy. I think LE was already around, but they've tailored it to audio. And there's a few other little features like multi-streaming, so multiple uh, Bluetooth peripherals can listen to the same Finally. source. And, and there's some kind of broadcast as well. So you could, using your, just your peripheral, I could send something to your Bluetooth headset, presumably yeah. through some some sort of particularly laborious pairing process. But, you know, um, there's that. But just the low energy part of it is interesting because, in principle, that should feed into smaller form factors. So, you know, we've got the default Bluetooth headset, which is these Apple earbuds that have got that little sort of one-inch stem yeah. coming down from them. I mean, they I, fall out of my ears, but... Right. Um, well, not the new ones. I've tried those. They have new ones. Yeah. Uh-huh. Mm. So, but but presumably we could be getting towards a time where something you, you can almost not even see it when it's in someone's ear, mm. uh, and that could lead to that sort of dystopia that we were just talking about, where people have just got one in the whole time. How do you pluck it out, though? Like yes, well, presumably I don't, I don't <laughs> like the things that go in your ear, and I don't like the big um, right. noise so cancelling things. Which, that which are do really, you like then? There's ones that sort of hook over your ear, okay, which actually stay on. Like if you go out for a run, you can run in the... the, the oh, like little cups. Yeah, 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 there's like a, just a, a thing on the back of it. That yeah, yeah, yeah. And Bose makes ear. a weird one where it, it's like a scarf. You put it on your shoulders and it just right. plays music from below. Oh, it's really weird. So other people can hear it? Uh, not, well, it's very quiet for other people, but it's really loud for whoever right. wears it. But it's more of a desktop situation, listening. Yeah. Yeah. So that... While it's quite geeky and boring, I think that could be quite interesting in terms of wearables and and all that sort of thing. Um, I certainly think you know we got to a stage now where wearing even wearing wired headphones just feels like a real drag. Yeah, it does. Yeah. Um, so anyway, that's that. so that's pretty much CES. Not too much phony stuff. Um, oh I, no, they were foldable laptops. Well, that's not really phony. Yeah. Thanks. <laughs> I, I thought don't know, you just can't get I the thought stuff. It's, no, but it's the foldable. <laughs> you want the foldable, foldable laptop? Yeah. My, my laptop folds already. No, they're, okay, they're the foldable screen fold. is what I mean. So it's kind of relatable to phones because phones are going to go that way too. So there is. Some oh, so you're saying it's like a here. big version of the foldy phones? It's yeah, all so, it's all screen. So it's like a, a laptop well, it like that folds out several times, like a piece of paper. <laughs> no, just once. It's so, just like a, so a laptop you can make into a little swan or, or imagine a bird. It's imagine an origami a, laptop. Yeah, an origami. Imagine like an iPad that folds basically. Yes. Yeah. So it's yeah. one great big screen. Yeah. One great big foldy screen. Lenovo, I think, had one, and another right. company had one. Yeah. Okay. Would you Would you go for one of those? No. I, I like a real keyboard. You need a proper keyboard, don't yeah. you? Yeah. Yeah. Although I used to think I remember when I was writing about mobile phones like a decade ago, and I had a Motorola one that had a little slide out keyboard, mm. and I was like, oh, I'd never go for that touchscreen bollocks. Yeah. And another, here you are. another home run for Scott there. <laughs> So, as you write an article saying it'll never take off, this touchscreen stuff's a load yeah. of nonsense. It's Basically, no if you want something to take it. off, get me to write a skeptical <laughs> article about it, and, and it's a surefire winner. Bitcoin, ah, I'll never do Exactly. Okay, yes. So, uh, let's get back to the perennial subject of Huawei. I don't think you mm. need to talk about it at ridiculous length, but. Not um, what's going on, really? Well, oh, thanks. Thanks for pouring water on my segue. <laughs> Um, so, well, you say it's not going on, but you well, just said that, that there would been there been some op-ed written. That there was an op-ed written by Tell the there was an op-ed written by the Chinese ambassador to the UK. Right, can't remember his name, 
Uh, Don't in, guess it. That will sound. I'm not going to guess it. I could look it up on my phone, but I can't because turned off, not causing microphone right. problems. But he wrote an op-ed in the Daily Telegraph on Sunday, basically saying, "Don't ban Huawei because um, it would." I mean, siding with Huawei essentially, saying it would set the UK back. Um, they'd so have this is the Chinese ambassador. Chinese ambassador right. to the UK saying that yeah. the, the decision, which keeps getting put off, that has never yeah. really been finalised about whether Huawei should be allowed to sell 5G equipment in the UK. He was basically saying, "You Xiaoming." There you are. Okay. Yeah, he said he said banning Huawei would be bad because so a lot of the arguments that the operators have been coming out with about it driving up 5G costs because you have to replace equipment, it would slow down 5G roller in the UK, it'd yeah. set the UK back. But then he also said the more interesting bit was that it would damage relations between China and the UK, right? Which is almost like a slightly sort of veil threat, isn't it? It's Pretty much. Like, don't ban it <laughs> barely, otherwise. Barely otherwise. Failed, is it? So I, I, and then he, and then I noticed he. So time stuff's quite hard to get hold of. The Sunday Times, unless you actually subscribe, yeah. it's all behind file. They're, they're f- Telegraph, Telegraph, I think. Their paywalls so, quite robust. Isn't tele- it? But then they're both the same. They've got better at paywalls yeah. these days. And that, but then he basically tweeted his entire article. You know, you can do that thing with tweet where you just put a paragraph up each time, right. and like you'd have a sort of sequence yeah. of. So he put the whole thing more or less up on Twitter, which is right. where I came across it. And. And, uh, and presumably I, I, the, the Times are going, oh, cheers. But I thought it was interesting because at the same time, you've, apparently um, the US has been... Yeah, so that's, that's the one that, that, on that the Jamie and I have been writing about. Yeah. So I, mine was just a bit of journalism from Reuters yeah. that, that they were sending sort of diplomatic missions over. So apparently people are expecting us to make a call on Huawei and 5G by the end of this month, Okay, which yeah. is why activity is ramping up. So and and Dominic Raab, our foreign secretary, has been over in the states chatting to Mike Pompeo, and, and he's been going, "Come on, mate." Um, and and then uh, Jamie, why don't you why don't you tell us about your senator? What's he up to? Uh, so Tom Cotton tabled a bill uh, which would ban intelligence sharing between any country which has 5G in its uh, sorry Huawei in its 5G right. network it's an outright and law US. not Any, even a matter of discretion and Huawei anywhere in the network there's no kind of distinction over where it would be it's just anywhere in the network no, yeah. 5G network yeah. Yeah. Right. Five, no no Any, but the 5G, 5G network, network. Yeah. 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 that's what they put down at the moment so yeah. it's irrelevant yeah. because it's that, 4G, 3G because that's, that's, yeah. that's the fudge that I presume the UK would like to do is not in the core but we'll allow it in the RAN yeah, so that I've wrote a bit about this leading up to Christmas, actually, that whole rancor issue, because yeah. I still find that quite interesting, that there's yeah. this, the operators in the UK are clearly proceeding on the basis that they think it's okay to use Huawei in the RAN, because yeah. all of them are using it in the RAN, and they're carrying on building out their networks, you know, while this argument's going on, but they've all pretty much taken a decision not to, well, I don't know very much about O2's position, maybe J- Jamie, you know, has more to do with O2 than I do, but certainly three... Vodafone and BT have all pretty much taken the decision they're not going to use Chinese equipment in the core 5G network. Yeah. They'll use it in Iran. Yeah. And um, it's quite an interesting one because some of the vendors themselves seem to be at odds with that argument entirely. I mean, like Ericsson, for instance. I remember speaking to Ericsson's European head a few months ago, around about the time we had a summer party, I think, with them in London when they had you know journalists over a few, few drinks. Yeah. And... Uh, Aaron Bansell is his name, and he was saying that he thinks this whole distinction between the core and the RAN is becoming less relevant. It's becoming a lot harder to to say where one ends and the other the begins because point. yeah, because yeah, you're sort of pushing intelligence further out. You know, with move to edge computing, you're sort of putting your intelligence closer to right. masts and base stations. He said the whole distinction between the the core and the RAN is becoming a lot harder to yeah, say so it, where is, one is, ends. Is the, the, from a, if you have, if you have a look at it from like the open RAN perspective, I mean one. 
uh, which sort of supports his arguments. Yeah. And I, I think, well, to start to start from the, uh, from the very beginning, I think the big the big issue between the US and European operators is that Europe, Europe generally views as dumb and intelligent segments in the network, i.e. dumb is radio and transmission, yeah. and intelligent is the core. core, whereas the US view the network as a single entity yeah. so intelligence can intelligence and dumbness can be anywhere in the network so they do, so this is where the idea of uh, so Scott Petty talks about it a lot over at Vodafone about yeah. risk mitigation in the in the network this is where this argument evolves from and is completely ignored in the states yeah. but one of the reasons you probably uh, one of the reasons that open run hasn't entirely taken off is because it's very difficult very 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 difficult to decouple software and hardware so you still have and this is where it ties into the Ericsson argument if you can't completely decouple software and hardware there is going to be still some intelligence embedded into these hardware products so they're not as dumb as everyone is making out and perhaps that does actually lend some credibility to the US argument Mm. that any product from a nefarious government controlled state uh, com- company, and I'm not saying Huawei is a government controlled company. That's the accusation. There. That's the accusation yeah. is a threat. Yeah, yeah, completely. And but I, I, I just find it really interesting that the the, the, the vendors, a big vendor like Ericsson, is basically at odds with its own customers on this issue. And what well, we we need to go out and talk to people like BT and, and mm. Scott Petty and say, well, hang on a minute, aren't the lines blurring between, yeah. with the move to to, to 5G and and is there any way to, to is there way, any way to have just a bit of Huawei and it be all right? Yeah, for the and, Americans? And, and then if this decision that gets taken, I mean, clearly, if 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 they do go and um, bow down to U.S. pressure and decide to take a a really dramatic decision that gets rid of Huawei entirely, then that's a that's a huge issue. It's a bigger issue now than it was even three or four months ago because all, you know every week that passes, apparently more and more equipment's being deployed. Yeah, they're they're they're, yeah. they're supposed to be extend- So we're being told they're extending their networks all the time. They're kind of they're trying to improve five G. Because yeah, we um, as a country have kicked this decision down the road because, well, of, because of the general election and all that sort of thing. Unless well, unless although, they're they're just trying to extend non Huawei vendors at the this moment. This is but this is what some people have said in the past that. Generally, sort of, I can't remember who said it to me, but someone said that Ericsson equipment, whoever has sort of like a a good blend of all three, so it's definitely not going to be uh, three. Yeah. Um, Ericsson equipment is generally generally used in the highly urbanised areas, and Huawei equipment is used elsewhere. So in the semi, in the suburbs, and the rural areas. For Vodafone. I can't remember but who B- said that. But BT's network at the moment is basically the, the way that they've they've got two vendors, uh, Nokia and Huawei, yep. in, a, in a radio. Nokia does rural, Huawei does urban. Okay. So their 5G rollout is urbanised. So it's got to be so it's got to be Huawei that they're building out. Mm. And they've got this 25 that, cities or whatever that they've tried to get to. And is that an assumption based on their 4G relationships, or is that 5G commercial contract you're talking there? Well, that's that. It is for that's the way it worked with four G, but that is the way they would do it with five G because you have to. You can't. Not necessarily because I've. You, uh, unless well, you're talking you about backwards compatibility. There. Yeah, the only way you, 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 but you can't do it is to take out a load just, of people. If you're going to switch it around, you'd have to take out the Huawei stuff in cities and then. But everyone introduce- has well, everyone has said that there is there isn't a huge backwards compatibility problem, I and mean, you can build um, sort of like five G systems from one vendor on 
top of 4G systems from another, but there is just a bit of integration work to be done. No, that's a massive issue. That you, you can, that's the that's the problem. You can't have you you have to have the same four G. This is why they this is why Vodafone's made such a big issue about it. If we're going to have to replace there Huawei, is, we have to take out our four G base stations and replace them with equipment from the same vendor that comes in with five G. That's the that's the that's the that's the whole kind of. So, this is so the, I I don't know whether that's the case every single time because. Um, well, the, the only uh, because there's, there's three, aren't, it. three aren't replacing their four G network. They are. They're replacing all their 4G radios. Three, three is replacing every single 4G radio. Three is replacing Samsung. So three, three's network is. Are uh, they? But are they ripping replacing? I know that yeah. they're. So they're ripping out all Samsung. Yeah. Okay, I wasn't aware. Well, of that. Huawei is coming in as a 5G vendor, and as part of the Huawei contract, it's replacing Samsung. And it doesn't. It sounds more dramatic than it is because basically that equipment's very old. It needs replacing anyway. This gets to some of the oh, conversations yeah, we that we've had with John past. Strand, where you yeah. have to, at some point, you do have to replace some yeah, of this yeah, old yeah, equipment. Yeah, yeah, I get that. But so, so three had obviously got to the point where it needed to make a decision about a 4G upgrade and replacing equipment and it also had to decide on a 5G contract and they've basically gone with Huawei. So the big question was, hang on a minute, you've been using Samsung on 4G, you're going to bring in Huawei as a 5G vendor, compatibility issue, but they're basically, Huawei will be phasing out Samsung. So Samsung is going from the three network. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And they'll just have, they'll have Huawei in basically, is there, is there any radio supplier? So, I mean, the long and short of it still is that um, a an outright ban on all Huawei would it would be, it would be an issue, be a big, big cost a issue. Massive, mm, yeah. massive issue for pretty much all UK MNOs. Yeah, I mean, the only one that I'm aware of that isn't using Huawei a lot is O2, and I don't really know. No, I they're primarily have... uh, uh, Nokia and Ericsson. Yeah. I got a feeling that for some reason they've got um, a Juniper in the core, or is that right. or is that Vodafone? I can't remember. Vodafone's got Cisco, Cisco and someone else, but yeah, I'm not sure who else. But so, so the interesting Cisco thing about it for me is... This is just a clear example of where geopolitics um, is trumping business. Excuse the pun, but you can't use that without having to excuse the pun. Because basically, as as you said from that piece written by that Chinese um, senior official, they're saying you ban Huawei, there's going to be there's going to be additional diplomatic aggro. The U.S. is making it very clear that there's going to be diplomatic aggro. You know that the the law. That this guy's proposing that Jamie wrote about would take it beyond it would take it out of even out of the hands of the executive. Yeah. Um, you know, we've got this five eyes alliance. Um and and again, you know, from an American point of view, if they truly believe that everything that pass that goes through a bit of Huawei kit on a phone network can be intercepted by a Chinese state, then why would they collaborate on in sensitive intelligence with countries where that information could be conveyed over Huawei gear. So from their point of view, I mean, obviously the case, the case is very much unproven. Mm. That I that mean, is the other thing to the other thing to obviously mention, which we haven't mentioned at all and completely skirted around. Um, <coughs> you know, ultimately, you're you are relying on the fact that uh, Huawei is in bed with the Chinese government. There, that's the you assumption. Know, if if if. Yeah, but it is worth pointing out is that all of this argument yeah. is moot yeah. unless Cha- Huawei is in bed yeah, with the Huawei government, yeah. which, which still hasn't been proved. Thing. Yeah, no, it's never been proved. I yeah. mean, that, that that's that sort of came up a little bit. Another Huawei bit I wrote at the start of the year, where the FCC in the states um, has said they've got until early February 
to, you know, they've got this thing where they're not allowing any operators who receive state funds for sort of rural bits and bobs to yeah. spend those funds with Huawei and Huawei's yeah. taken them to court saying that's that's illegal what they've done. And I find it interesting that Huawei's taken to court because what they're basically saying is, all right, you're, you're a country that's so proud of things like freedom of speech, due process, um, all that sort of thing. Well, are we allowed due process or does due process not apply to foreigners or Chinese companies or whatever? Yeah. And and if we're allowed due process, then you've got to present evidence to justify your decision, which which seems like a perfectly rational thing for them to do. So well, now the FCC suddenly seems to be springing into action going, OK, we're going to have a consultation as to whether or not what we've done is... Well, don't they think that the fact that it's a Chinese company is evidence enough? Because under Chinese law, you have to, as a Chinese company, provide well, that's, documents to the Chinese state. No, no, state no, no. I mean, that, that, and that argument undermines itself as well, because in that Chinese law, and that Chinese law does exist, there is a clause that says that you only have to obey that above clause if it doesn't break the law of the country you're in. So, obviously, okay. some people can okay. ignore it. And, yeah. you know, you know, the, the cynic and the, the American cynic will turn around and say, well, yeah, I mean, the U.S., the Chinese government is just going to ignore that clause. Yeah. But it is in the law that yeah. there is a clause which says Huawei has to be compliant with U.S. Although regulations that, and laws. It seems like a slightly self-contradictory um, sort of clause, because if they want to intercept communications for for espionage purposes, then by definition, they're breaking the law. There's no law that says go ahead and spy. Yeah, uh, that's cool. Uh, we all do it. Let's be honest. Yeah, yeah. You know, no, e- everyone's that, a hypocrite about spying, aren't they? Yeah, but I think there is. I think there are laws that say that you are allowed to do it. Really? Yeah, a because light otherwise, spying. otherwise you wouldn't be allowed to. Well, investigate someone or get wiretaps. You know, yeah. it, 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 gets, it have it to gets be very law. convoluted. But then at the same time, the other thing which is completely contradictory is that U.S. Patriot Act says that the U.S. government can force U.S. companies to do exactly the same thing as well. Yeah. So yeah, it's, well, it's yeah, 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 it's completely. But yeah. but the problem is that it's a Chinese company, and yeah. you know the U.S. is in a is at loggerheads with China. So so I think it's kind of cursed by its national identity, really. Yeah, and and and, and as I'm sure we've all written. Huawei's guilty of being Chinese. That's yeah. that's the main thing, um, and and that's that really. Um, just to, before we move on to the last thing, I I'm increasingly thinking with Boris Johnson as prime minister, who who's got a sort of closer relationship with Trump and presumably wants to maintain it because he's also the the one who you know who's most keen on us leaving Europe, and and of course that adds an extra nuance to it because we. Sh- Sure as hell, want to stay, yeah, stay cozy with the Americans. Well, Brexit's a massive issue, yeah, here because yeah, there are some um, deals with both countries. So I wouldn't be surprised if, as a result of Boris Johnson winning the general election, we end up taking a harder stance against Huawei than was previously thought. But then, but then we kind of imperil. As, as this, a Chinese ambassador was basically threatening. Yeah. Then we then we put to the Chinese. Chinese yeah, but if we're forced to choose, if we're forced to choose geopolitically, I think we'd choose America. Yeah, probably right. So anyway, that's that. Okay, before we run out of time, so Jamie, you wrote about Northern Irish farmers and their relationship with operators. Tell us a bit more about that. Yeah, so it's, um, I mean, this is something that's dated, going dating back years. Yeah, to start the underlying with. issue. Yeah. So the underlying issue was something called ransom rents, which was uh, uh, from years and years and years back. So the telcos complained that the landlords were charging too much money um, f- to to rent land, and when yeah, I say landlords, stick their towers on the land. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
I'm not just talking about farmers. I'm talking about building owners so you can construct a mast on the roof, for instance. Um, So basically, the argument is, is that a landlord has got the telco screwed because it costs how much money is it going to cost to put up well, first of all, buy the passive equipment, then all the civils to put like uh, electric into it, um, so you can power the air conditioning and all that. Then you've got to buy the active equipment, blah, 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 blah. Mm. Constructing this thing probably costs you a couple of hundred thousand pounds, let's say. So if the landlords chuck up the rent by 20% a year, you're going to turn around and go, hold on a minute, fine, I'll pay an extra two grand if you know if it saves me 120,000 I'm yeah. going to construct another one mm-hmm. but if that happens 20,000 times across the year then you start to get into a position which Indeed. is very very unattractive yeah. um so the so the the european uh, so the digital services act or digital economy act was passed in 2017 um which included the electronic communications code which offers the telcos greater power in these negotiations over um, leasing costs and compensation for landowners. Now, back to today's story, the Ulster Farmers Union has turned around and has said that the telcos are using this law to unfairly screw over landowners, drastically reducing the compensation which is paid to the telcos. Now, I know we were talking about it before that the telcos were probably in a bad position. Do you mean the compensation that's paid to the landowners? Yeah, yeah, yeah the, the rental, the yeah. lease. Um, so, yeah, okay, maybe the telcos were paying too much. Maybe these third parties or the, the, the landowners themselves or their agents, the piss a bit. maybe they were taking the piss. But what it sounds like is that this law has granted way too much power. In the other yeah. direction. And yeah. they're using it to drastically reduce costs so it's completely overcompensating for the posi- yeah. for the ransom rent position that was in the, in the beginning <laughs> yeah so it just sounds like um a complete and utter switch, mess, right, uh, switch yeah. yeah but but there's some really big problems with this i mean first of all if the uh if the landowner uh, feels he's been screwed. I know you want to talk about this, about how you feel yeah, about sure. owning we'll, we'll lands. Yeah, sure. We'll get that tangent. Yeah. If you, if the landowner feels he's losing out in the relationship, he's just going to end the relationship. Yeah. You know. Um, yeah. Therefore, you're one site down. Yeah. Yeah. Now, so that's, that's a reason to not overcompensate in exactly the way you described. Exactly. Yeah. So, so you could start losing. Yeah. You could start losing masts. Then you have to pay. To obviously construct a new mast in a new area, which is going to cost you. But presumably they're all in the same position, the, the operators. I mean, yeah. yeah I mean, so, it could just. So cost at them the end of the day, the the you just end up with less less masts in a country. Yeah. So what, so what you'll end up with, as 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 well as possibly the additional cost that Jamie talks about about just shifting the it's, mast, it's poor a couple hundred yards. Yeah. yeah. And Could and I think save it save yeah, the coverage. But the, the landowners do all right. Well, I mean, not necessarily. Well, they might, the not do, right. they might just go, yeah. Like they're just going to bugger it. Then we don't want you. Sort of everyone. Well, ev- everyone's getting screwed because the landowners yeah, yeah. aren't getting their rent anymore. We're yeah. not getting the coverage. Yeah. The the operators are offering a, an inferior yeah. service. Yeah. Because there's little things like so farmers are at the top of the list here because it was the Ulster Farmers Union. But then, can you imagine what's going to happen when we start losing? If we start losing antenna in central London, 
And, you know, it's I, I, I've got a bit of sympathy for some of these landowners or these building owners, because if you build a, you know, a 40 story building in central London, yeah. how many hundreds of millions is that going to cost you? Yeah. Then you have got to recover that cost. So you have got to spend, you know, X amounts making these uh, these 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 offices ridiculously nice, so you can charge a ridiculous premium to a law firm to yeah. to lease that office. Then all of a sudden, you've got to say to the the the, the law firm, but there's got to be twenty four hour twenty four hour access to this antenna which is on the roof so we're going to have potentially workmen in boots and hard hats mm-hmm. going up and down your lift rubbing shoulders with your multi-million pound uh, customers yeah. um, and then potentially smashing uh, mirrors dent- <laughs> denting, making everything dirty inside your building that you're paying through mm. the nose for so yeah. you can see why the building owners yeah. are kind of like you know, I want to get compensated quite handsomely for putting this stuff on the on the roof mm. so so the interesting thing to contemplate here is the sort of public private thing which which often when i don't know about you guys but when i'm arguing a toss about politics with my mates it often comes down to public versus private i tend to be the more pro-individual pro-free market laissez-faire one in these debates but i've got lots of mates who, who are much more collectivist and much more you know, um, talking about the greater good. But if it, if it was just an unfettered free market, I wonder where the equilibrium would end up because presumably the, the farmers would try and charge as much as possible. Yeah. Um, and but there'd be there'd be some point beyond which there'd be a sort of bell curve, wouldn't there? A bit like a Laffer curve for tax. There'd be some point beyond which they got diminishing returns because they were ripping off the operators so much the operators just went f- you. Yeah. But that might be still quite a high level. And maybe that's the level it was at before this regulation you you came yeah. in. Um, but then, but then, as we've just discussed, if if you artificially um, undercompensate them, then there are things they can do because it's still their land. Yeah, it's their property. Yeah, you know, if someone says to you, Ian, I, I've got to be able to mess around with your house because it's in the public good. Mm. You know, however altruistic you might think you are, there's going to come a point where you're like, hold on a sec, this but is we're my all gaff that you're that anyway, with. to some extent. You know, there's all sorts of building regulations. You can't make yeah. adjustments to your property. Yeah, so, so, getting, so all these know. discussions come down so to. Everybody's uh, regulated to some Yeah, it comes down to a continuum way. and the ideal point in the middle. It's never the absolute. Yeah. Yeah, well, while, while I will tend to adopt the more less FS stance. I mean, I'm not I, saying you can't have any rules at all. I don't know what the I don't know the specifics of the Northern Ireland situation beyond what Jamie's just talked about. But what I do know is that a regular complaint of operators in not just the UK, but throughout other markets in Europe, like Germany, that's a big thing as well, and, and some other countries where they often go on about rights of access. To yeah. pro- this is one of the So it's not just the lease, it's so the actual is, access. Slowing it? down so, 5G deployed. Now, if countries really care about getting 5G deployed, and it's so important that we're going so to fall behind is, economically in the future, then... So this is part of what the ECC takes into account. It grants the telcos greater power not only to renegotiate contracts at lower levels, uh, than what they are today, but then also introduce, um, you know, you don't have to pay extra commission for 24-hour access or they make it easier to access these sites. Yeah. The big problem, which I see, is that, yeah, like the pendulum has come across so much that landowners can just turn around and go, no, we don't want this. A farmer could turn around and say, the the thing is, if a telco can prove that there's no commercial use for that space, the ECC grants them the power to just go Right. Look, here's five hundred so quid for the year. Plants and corn. There. We're going to do this. Yeah. Right. So you could, oops, you could 
plant some corn. You could put a pigsty there. Yeah, yeah exactly. You know, if right. you're a... Um, That'd this, be the best thing, to put a pigsty there. This is... <laughs> I'd really take the piss, wouldn't it? <laughs> but this is, I mean, the, 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 the most baffling thing about inner city as well is that because what do you do with the roof? Um, so what you can do, and this is a lawyer... Turn into that, a bar. No, <laughs> this is what a lawyer told me. Um, you can put solar panels on there. Right. Don't have to plug the solar panels in. Right. You can just install solar panels up there. Okay, um, so you're saying that the roof can be viewed as fair game because it's not performing any no one's commercial using function anything. other than shelter. Yeah, yeah, it's, um, it's a roof. Right. You know, it keeps us dry. It doesn't do anything. Yeah. But if you put solar panels up there, it it, it becomes a potential or future commercial use. Yeah. Therefore, it it they can turn around and say, no, we don't want the telco equipment yeah, yeah. up there anymore. Uh, which is, but then. <laughs> The other very interesting element to this is that um, the ECC gives huge powers to the telcos to challenge this in the courts. So anytime the the landowner goes, no, I don't want this, you can challenge it in the court. Mm. Yeah. And you're not challenging it in the magistrates; you're challenging it in the uh, the, the the land tribunal, uh, the land court of the upper tribunal, or something like that. So it's a QC court, yeah. it's crown court, very expensive not very quick right there's only one court in the uk which actually listens to these cases so all you need is like you need to gather a couple of uh conflicts and you've got a bottleneck so if you've got a conflict on a very important 5g site that you want to set up in london this could be two years down the line because you've got this ma- yeah. massive bottleneck of court cases to be heard in this uh, in this court so it could be I mean, the, the the pendulum going too far could be an absolute bureaucratic and legal yeah. nightmare in the future. Yeah. Well, yeah. on the on the sort of public versus private thing, I'm gonna I'm gonna sort of be my own devil's advocate and actually make a a sort of statist point, which is they have these spectrum auctions. They raise a bunch of money. It just goes into the general coffer for them to spend on, yeah. you know, subsidised drinks in the House of Commons or whatever. Um, I think there's an argument for the state to go off and purchase little sort of 10 square metre plots of land from a bunch of farmers and make those little bits of land state-owned. But you'd still have to have access to that land. Yeah, yeah, well, they'd have, that, that would have to be part of the negotiation. But, um, Which then it could, but then you've got to pay the farmers. Oh, and then how much that. do you pay the farmers? Well, you but again, you could, well, but then part, part of the... You know, this is just off the top of my head. I'm just thinking, oh, no, it's probably not going to bear close scrutiny. But, you know, part of that deal is you go, all right, farmer, here's, here's underground. Now the state owns yeah. that 10 square metres of land and gets unlimited access to it through through this channel that we're going to construct that doesn't mess with your pigs or your wheat or whatever. Yeah. Uh, and then they and then the state um, charges the operators and thus directly regulates it. That's some argument. There's probably lots of holes in that, and I'm generally instinctively. But it's still the same thing, isn't it? Because it's it's the landowner's property in the first instance. Therefore, someone has to intervene. Yeah. To so force you're, just, a, you're to force a sale. Or you're to talking about compulsory purchase. Yeah, which is which it's runs completely contrary thing. to all my so best instincts. I just thought I'd, I'd chuck it out there. You're either forcing the price down and saying you have to do it this way, or we buy it and and do it this way. But then the other yeah. the other th- um, the other thing to consider there is who who how much do you how do you actually put the the antenna up? You know who who owns that antenna, 
Um, you know, there's obviously there's going to be a weight limit on these antenna. You mean the tower? Or, uh, sorry, the yeah, tower, yeah. yeah. Who owns the passive infrastructure? Yeah. Yeah. How big do you build it? Yeah. Um, yeah. Who gets first bite at the cherry of putting antenna on there? Because there's a weight limit to, to, these, um, to these towers, how much you can put on. Um, you know, then you, you've got to put, you, do, you, do, you own, do you have a state-owned tower company then? Like, you know, a state-owned Cellnex or something like that? Yeah. Uh, you know, or a state-owned Arkiva? Yeah. Or do you farm it out to Arkiva? Totally. And then it's, another idea yeah. I, I'd have that, that's more... That's more sort of soft touch. Is just regulation, just setting the price that the farmers can charge. But you know, having said that, that still doesn't solve the problem because then the farmers could still do their pigsty manoeuvre. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so. Uh, I mean, that would yeah, probably be. Tricky. I mean, that would probably be the fairest way to do it. But that's what they're trying to do. But the argument is they've set it too low. Yeah. Yeah. That makes sense. So the ECC says, well, this is a fair level for uh, compensation. But then that compensation yeah, the fi- could be farm, ridiculously the low. Have, landowners got to be properly compensated. Oh, they do. Hundred percent. People build properties and they make investments and they deserve to have something back from it. I'm not saying it should be given away free, but yeah, and they've got planning then, laws that prevent too them. Too much the other way around is. I, my suspicion, because I mean, it's it's very difficult to actually understand until I'm I'm trying to chase up on this until you actually see the contracts from pre-ECC and the post-ECC contracts, it's actually very difficult to judge, you know, who's been screwed either way. Yeah. Uh, so until... So and tra- someone's always going to moan. Yeah. Yeah, oh, 100%. Yeah. Um, so I'm trying to get my hands on, you know, actually speaking to a few people. I'm looking at a few post and pre- and post-contracts to actually assess, you know, this is how much they were getting paid. This is how much they're now getting paid yeah. after the ECC mm. has been applied. But the, pr- the tricky problem is, is that there's not too many of these contracts flown around because it was passed in 2017 obviously the telcos want to sign long-term contracts with the fat landowners so these you know the major apparently you know speaking to my speaking to my lo- uh, legal friends a lot of these contracts are coming up uh, either this year or next year or the year after so it's actually not a huge number of examples of pre and post expired mm. uh, ECC, ECC contracts that are relevant, you know, something that was originally signed in 2011 isn't going to be relevant today. So we need to look at the ones that are maybe signed in like 2017, 2016, and then compare it to, but they're probably not going to expire until 2021, or if it's a 10-year contract, 2026. So you don't actually know. It's very, it's, Mm. it's a, it's an interesting argument, but actually getting to the bottom conclusion. Getting hard, hard data on it. Probably not going to be till next year. Yeah. One, one, Last point um, I'll make on that, and then we'll wrap up. Unless you've got anything to say else to say on it, Ian, is that the interesting thing about this industry that we bang on about every Friday is that it's a private enterprise. I, being an operator, that, that we, there are no outside of some weird bits of India, there are no sort of publicly owned operators. Um, but because, but it's heavily regulated because the barriers to entry are so high, and increasingly it's even more heavily regulated because um, mobile infrastructure is considered absolutely critical to the economic health of the country. So it becomes a public concern that's entirely um, delivered by private enterprise. So that makes for an interesting conundrum in itself. So yeah. that, that means that there's plenty of economic and, and al- almost even moral arguments for state intervention in the sector because, you know, for someone to be 
unconnected to a mobile network it, it is well, now, so diminishes their quality of life, like the water or the energy or the yeah. railway uh, sectors. That... But but do you know what the big difference there is? The the those industries were privatised after the networks built. Yeah. So so it was public coffers right. that went into building well, the network. Well, it's the network. same with BT though. BT's network. The land fixed line. Yeah. yeah. No, it's a private entity now that rolled out four G and five G. Oh 5G, sure. Yeah. yeah. But the original PSTN was built with public sector funds. But wasn't ha- it? yeah. What's that but stand for? Public public switch telephone network. Right. The fixed know. line. Yeah. Yeah. Right. yeah. Sorry. But that's, just, this is why it's such an issue to upgrade that to fiber. You're still using copper that was there from the days of. But this of is it being a public entity. But this is where telecoms is completely different to the electron uh, the electrics uh, the electricity network or uh, pipes for water or gas lines. That ninety five percent of the investments that was going into that is was done. And you know you're not spending. Yeah, the on the mobile side, yeah, yeah. No, no, for the mobile, you yeah. spent how much? Did, how much did it cost to lay that network? Yeah. And how much has been spent by private industry to put, uh, you know, fiber upgrades, two G, five G, three G, four G, five G over the top yeah. of that? It's all private infrastructure yeah. as a uh, private investment. But but the, but the yeah on the on the mobile side, I know it's all private. Definitely, I totally agree with you there. Mm. But the but the original fixed line network. All those ducts and poles that people are talking yeah, yeah. about—that's all. That was all done with public sector money in the first place. Yeah, the yeah. ducts and poles are really old. That's fine. all. Yeah, yeah fine. Yeah. But I'm, but I'm still and saying it's not, the, it's not comparable. It's not the fiber that's expensive. It's the yeah. digging up the streets to, to put it in. That's the, the expensive uh, side of it. Well, I, uh, okay, fine. But I think you're well, agreeing with each other on the mobile side. On the mobile, on the mobile side, side yeah, 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 fine. But all the last mile stuff—they're still digging yeah, up streets. Yeah, civil engineering is the mo- most of the cost. But they're still doing that now. They're still yeah. doing that for fiber. Yeah, and, and people like Virgin and all that sort of thing. They're still but, digging uh, but I, 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 yeah. but I sympathise with Ian's point about as a core owner that's, of a but bunch that's why they of want to BT's backbone infrastructure. infrastructure. Yeah. So, but I think I think, but this is where I think the difference between like those utilities and you know this is why it should be so heavily regulated. Uh, you know, and you know it, because ninety five percent of the expense was worn yeah. by the public sector. Whereas if you look at uh, sort of like let's tie telecommunications in as an entire bundle 95% of the network that we look at today has been privately funded not publicly funded mobile Mobile, telecommunications I'm saying but but fixed line fixed line line, I've got to go with Ian the vast majority of fixed line I think what you're saying is because of the replacement yeah, because it's because still, it's now largely dig- fibre or, or they're still digging up last mile, and that's yeah. where a lot of but, like, they're still doing street construction. But that yeah, they are, but they're not doing mile. enough. There's only eight percent of UK homes that have fibre to the premise. So but how much is that going to cost to do to do that last mile? Yeah, how much is that going to cost? I, I don't know. A well, lot of well, money. Quite it's a lot, lot of money. So otherwise, someone would do it. Wouldn't and they? who's paying for it? Yeah, that's that's now private. Yeah, so that's but why that it's completely but different. To the but that doesn't contradict. Network. That doesn't contradict. But, but the, Ian's the utilities point that now that are um, privately owned will still. If they, I mean, I don't know enough about water and energy, but presumably they upgrade their infrastructure as well. The railways upgrade their infrastructure and have done in the private sector era. So and they're doing it with, you know, as privately owned companies now. No, 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 they're not. Railways but, completely different. Railway is publicly owned because Network Rail, which okay. owns all, all right. the things. Yeah. yeah, so that's still right. private for a bit, gas, isn't it? They, electricity, they the other the other utilities. But they're not actually digging um, anything up, are they? Because we still got the same pipes. You know, if that makes sense. Like they, they say in London. Well, they do dig it up, don't they? They dig the streets up yeah, and no, make, do civil engineering the same work. as what I've they're got, doing with telecommunications. I've got a, a thought exercise that, that 
that might put this in some kind of perspective. If you were going to start from scratch, if 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 the UK is completely greenfield and had no telecoms infrastructure at all, yeah. fixed or mobile, the amount of cost that would that would have to do the sort of core ducks and poles, fixed line stuff, not last mile stuff, is still significant. And that was, paid for, yes. that was paid for by a public fund. And then everything after that, your point's right. So I think you both got good points. You're just talking about different bits of the network. But my, my point was more to what extent when something is private but has very high um, barrier to entry and has become a matter of public interest in terms of industrial policy and economic policy, to what extent does that give the public sector, the government, the right to sort of poke their nose in? And, of course, back to the equilibrium that, that we started on with your thing of going too far one way or the other, they start poking their nose in too much, yeah. then, it, then it stops being a profitable enterprise and people start saying, sod it, like, like they're threatening to do in India, for example. But the poking, I suppose the poking, coming back to the Northern Ireland thing, the poking the nose in is because, you know, everybody, like you say, everybody considers it to be so strategically important. Therefore, if we have a situation where landowners are clubbing together yeah, and going, quite. we don't want you on our, and then, and then you're looking at not being able to get any sites out at all. Quite. And, and yet on the flip side, and yet on the flip side, you can't completely, you know, that was the, one of the biggest criticisms. Them entirely. Do you remember Corbyn's time, yeah. thing about nationalising broadband? Yeah. yeah. That's just a gross, massive appropriation of, private, yeah, yeah, of, course, of yeah. private assets. I mean, that is a massive issue because you could see, although there is a lot of consolidation on, site, on sites now, um, UK, UK regulations dictates that there can only be so much uh, consolidation because, um, you know, you put you put a ha- you you build the maximum the the biggest tower you possibly can in the UK it's only going to be able to support so much infrastructure correct yeah you know yeah. look structural engineering yeah, yeah. physics dictates that can't just yeah. keep heaping antennas on yeah you can't just carry on doing that transmitters but the maximum size because this is back to a Vodafone complaint from years ago the maximum size of cell towers in the UK is quite considerably shorter than oh, the rest of Europe. Higher, they can't ma- build mast. higher. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, that's just an arbitrary regulatory yeah. sort of restriction. In, yeah. in the UK. Right. Yeah, because it doesn't look nice. And, but then we'll stick a <laughs> bloody great big wing farm up next yeah. to it. But yeah, so this is so if you if you can if you if there is a consolidation of sites and it is becoming uh, a lot more difficult to acquire new sites because of these you know these legal challenges and the, the difficulties that some of the farmers are posing, yeah. you know you've got to go back to regulation and you've got yeah. to turn around and say well actually and you know let's let's double the the maximum size of uh, masts. So their coverage cones yeah. can be a lot significantly wider, and you can support more antenna on it. Yeah. They, they've got to do something. They've got to do something. Yeah. Got to give, and 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 that's what's interesting about our industry is that there's no escaping. Even for someone like me who would like the government to have as little involvement in my daily life as possible, I, I have to completely acknowledge that the state has to be involved in telecoms. Yeah. Otherwise, otherwise, loads of people are going to. Otherwise, the country will will suffer as a consequence. Because the other thing you've got to consider is there's. I mean, there's absolutely no way you can stop ro- uh, developing new sites. I mean, that has to happen. Especially five G intensification yeah. or. Well, I, and there there are some arguments that you know you could use microwave or you could uh, you know you put in massive MIMO or these new technologies and that improves the uh, the, the the sort of the the. the the, the sort of the connectivity quality um, of yeah. and efficiency of these sites, but the other thing you've got to bear in mind is that you know, irrelevant of how good you get mobile signal, we've still got hills in this country. Mm. We've yeah. still got houses. Uh, we've still got trees. And I know it's it, 
there is, you know, propagation is being improved, there's still right. no right. way to get across. Yeah. yeah, there's still no way to get through a massive hill. Yeah. You know, if it's a huge hill, you've still got to go over it and or around it. Yeah. You cannot go through it. So you do need to build more sites. Cool. Okay. We're, we've definitely hit about the hour mark, haven't we, Pierre? So I'll wrap it up there. That was a good chat, guys. We haven't, <laughs> we haven't lost a step over the Christmas period. No. Um, and thank you for listening, and make sure you join us for the next one. Bye.